Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, Luke O'Neill here, and welcome to my Show Me the Science podcast. Now, this one is of particular relevance to me, so that's why I'm going to do it. And it's all about the science of becoming a morning person. Oh. Now, there's a title for you. Can you become a morning person? Now, what do I mean by that? Up with the lark, <laughs> light as a button, out you go about your business, and I'm not a morning person. I'm a night owl, and I have trouble getting up every morning, really. Now, when I get up and get going, I'm grand. But still, I can stay awake up till three, four in the morning without too much difficulty. But there's lots of evidence to suggest that those who are morning people, much better health. And of course, we know this, you know, early to bed, early to rise, you know. Remember that old phrase, that was Benjamin Franklin, I think. Make someone wealthy and wise. So that's been known for a while anyway. But there's good evidence, as I'll come on to, that if, if you if you can be a morning person, it'll benefit your health. Uh, hence the notion, can you become one? And guess what? There is evidence that you might be able to become a morning person. Now, what do we know? A lot, a lot is known about this. It's called the science of circadian rhythms. And uh, you've got to think of a chronotype. Now, the chronotype is either you're a night owl or a morning lark, one or the other. So you're either one or the other, and and most people fit into either category. But it turns out it's a bell-shaped curve. So most people fit in the middle somewhere. There's elasticity in this, they've shown this. There was a massive study of 50,000 people, actually. And again, we like that because of the numbers. And some were down the extremes. So some were absolute night owls that wouldn't go to bed before two in the morning. I wouldn't get up at noon. Others were getting up at five and six in the morning. They're the extremes. But the vast majority of, of people fit in the middle of that bell curve. Now, that's an interesting thing. Most things are on a bell curve. Some people can run at great speeds. Some are a bit slow. Most are in the middle, you know. Every biological trait has variation. Evolution has built in variation into our species for survival purposes. Just in case conditions change, if we're all clones, we'd all die, you know. If there's variation, some might survive, whatever the insults might be. And that's why we see the standard bell-shaped sort of response here in terms of chronotype. Now, the ones in the middle are the ones that might shift. So if you're tending towards the night owl end of the curve, can you push back into morning lark and how would you achieve that? And I'm going to come on to that in a minute because there's some advice as to how you might achieve it. Now, what's the basis for this? And again, it's a fascination. It turns out it's 50% genetic. So even though when you're a child, your parents are saying, get up out of bed, when you were lounging around as a teenager in bed, your parents are influencing you even more because they're giving you the gene variants that make you a morning lark or a night owl. And again, people have studied this. Now you might wonder why it's interesting as a biological trait, but if it links into diseases and risk of disease, then it becomes all the more relevant I get. And in fact, the Nobel Prize was won uh, by a guy called Mike Rosbash. He was one, and I met him. I think I mentioned him before, actually, on the podcast. Uh, he won the Nobel Prize for discover, the first to discover some of these genes. Uh, they were first seen in fruit flies as, as our model organism. And then we, we carry them as well. Now, what are these genes? Well, they've got names that are relevant to this. One is called clock, inevitably. Uh, another one is called period two, or per two for short. Another one called ASB1. And there's several of them. But those ones kind of stand out. There's certain versions of those. And if you carry the particular versions, you're more likely to be a night owl or a morning lark, depending on the version. And the one I came, came across that was especially relevant was ASB1. And there's a variant in that that will increase your chances of being a night owl. And guess where we inherited it from? Neanderthals. 
That variant has been found in the ancient DNA of our Stone Age ancestors that I often mention, actually. So it looks like when Homo sapiens went into Europe, they moved into a darker climate. And Neanderthals were inclined to be night owls simply because it was darker in Northern Europe than it was in Africa. And they were carrying this ASP1 variant, this in particular gene, obviously to survive the long winter nights. It was a good thing to be a night owl. And so it looks like we inherited ASB1 variant from Neanderthals. And that ties into depression actually as a thing because it turns out if you're a night owl, you're more inclined to be prone to depression. And maybe there's some evidence that Neanderthals were more prone to, to that kind of thing as well. So it's kind of informing studies on depression of all things as well. I don't think there's been a link with ASB1 on depression yet, but we'll see. So that depression, depression link, I'll come back to the health risks of being a night owl in a moment. Now, okay, so genetics is 50%. The second is what age you are. Now, up to the age of about 10, you get up early, and, and studies have shown this. When you turn 10, 11, 12, enter puberty, you kind of become a night owl. And the peak of this for males is at the age of 21. Females are inclined to be slightly more larkish on average, and their age is 19 for peak night owlery, if you know what I mean. And then they swing back towards being a morning lark. And that was a study in 2020 of 53,000 people. So it's again, quite a good number. And what that study concluded was, as you age, you become more of a lark as time goes by. Your peak night owl tendencies are post-puberty into your 20s. Now, why would that be? We don't know. Is it to do with brain development? Is it to do with you got to get out there to a nightclub and potentially meet a mate? Maybe that's part of it, who knows? But certainly this has been shown now statistically that as you get older, your chronotype shifts to be earlier. And then by the time you're in your late 50s, early 60s, you're getting up at about the same time as you did just before puberty, this study has shown. So you tend back towards being a 10, 11, 12 year old in terms of getting up early. And it almost precisely follows sex hormone because obviously during puberty, you get a big pulse of testosterone. That does begin to wane a bit in men and women as you get older. And maybe that's one of the things that's governing this, but we need to find out if that's the case or not. But certainly it's probably tied into sex hormones, you never know. So, you know, that's interesting. As you get older, you become more and more of a lark. <clears throat> now that's, that's uh, scientifically proven. Now, the health benefits seem pretty clear-cut in favour of larks. So in 2018, a big review was published in the journal Advances in Nutrition. Again, a respectable journal. I always say watch the journals. And what they found was that night owls have a higher risk of heart disease and a higher risk of type 2 diabetes than early risers. Now, why would that be? Again, it's not that clear why. It could be erratic eating patterns. So if you stay up late, maybe you're more inclined to eat junk food. You overeat perhaps unhealthy foods if you stay up late as well, and that will increase your risk of heart disease and type 2 diabetes. That's one option, so it's kind of behavioural. Uh, but the second is maybe these gene variants that are pushing you towards being a night owl tie somehow in to heart disease. Again, the causation correlation thing, which I've mentioned before, I guess. But still, that's evidence that night owls are more inclined to have these diseases. And then the other thing is, as I mentioned already, larks have better mental health. Now, there was a 2021 study in the journal Molecular Psychiatry, again, a very prominent journal. 450,000 middle-aged people were assessed and they recorded their waking preferences. And those who woke earlier tended to report lower instances of depression and anxiety. Now that's interesting as well. Again, is it a correlative thing? Is it something genetic? We don't know, but it's very interesting, isn't it, that that, that correlation was observed. And then of course the big explanation for this, by the way, and this seems to me the most likely reading, I read the paper myself, it could be sunlight exposure. Now we know 
seasonal affective disorder, the less sunlight you're exposed to, the increased risk of depression. And uh, anxiety is the first thing that's well known now. Anybody living in uh, higher latitudes is well, well known as a feature. Why it is, we don't know. They could be spending more time not exercising, you never know because it's dark or whatever. But still, it looks like the sunlight. And remember, it's the sunlight that sets the clock. You need sunlight to regulate your circadian clock every day. That little bit of sunlight exposure in through your eye, it's amazing. Your retina picks up on the sunlight. The optic nerve plugs into the suprachiasmatic nucleus in the brain, and that's part of regulating your, your own internal clock. And remember, all through the day, things are changing. You know, you get a bit sleepy in the afternoon, you feel really sleepy just before nighttime when melatonin goes up. All that's controlled by the body clock. You release enzymes to digest food at different times of the day as well, in anticipation. So the body clock's very important. But this business of sunlight exposure seems to set the clock in an effective way and seems to decrease the risk of depression. It seems to be a very robust study. But the big question now then is that we're going to address, how can you, apart from waiting 40 years, shift your chronotype back to an earlier type? Because it will happen as you get older. Various things can be done. And I'm going to start doing these, I hope, if I can just be motivated enough to do them. Light is absolutely all important. I've just said the sunlight thing clearly. So teenagers who sleep in at the weekend, and again, there's good studies on this, don't get that dawn light, that early morning light, which seems to be especially beneficial to reset the clock. And then they struggle on a Monday morning because their clock hasn't been sort of regulated properly and they're kind of staying a bit a bit longer. So, so getting exposed to that sunlight early every day is really good. And what this means though is you can nudge yourself towards morningness or larkishness. If you set your alarm a little bit earlier and you set the alarm, say five minutes earlier one day, 10 minutes the next, 15 the next, and get up. That's the trick and expose yourself to sunlight, not direct sunlight, it can just be daylight is sufficient. Don't look into the sun, that's dangerous. So you can reset it and get up earlier and gradually reset the clock to being in an earlier state. And of course, what's bugging a lot of people now is, and you'll see loads of studies on this, if we're looking at our devices at night in bed, is that messing with our body clock? And there's not that much evidence for it striking. I looked into it slightly. There's a bit of evidence for this, but one study showed that if they did this as a trial, they got people to look at their phones at their brightest setting for four hours before lights out, and all they got was a 10-minute delay in falling asleep. So there wasn't a massive effect by exposing your eyes to your screen, and it's because the type of light coming off the screen is a lot less than the direct light that you get on, you know, sunlight, and it was a lot less than even on a cloudy day. So maybe the worries about the screen are not to do with the light, it's more the distraction and you're buzzing because you're reading something you're watching a movie and that limits your chance of falling asleep more than the light coming off the phone but that is a work in progress so so the first and foremost thing is get exposed to early light and i guess i say for some reason the intensity early in the morning seems to be important here and how do you do it get straight out of bed there's my problem if you set the snooze button that's not great and something that the tip is now whether this works or not is the next question i'm not sure but i'm going to tell you anyway if you wake up and you go three, two, one, and get up, counting that down, doesn't that sound rather stupidly simple? But in theory, the countdown overcomes any rationalization of us staying a bit longer. You know, so three, two, one, and you're up. The second thing is, if you have a rule of three as you're about to get up, which means think of the three things you really want to do that day. So I'm gonna go and buy that gift in the shop, or I'm gonna, whatever it is, you wanna go for meet a friend for a drink, whatever it is. Three things you want to do, get those going in your brain, is that kind of motivates you to get up and head towards those three things. So it's kind of psychological. But they're also saying if you have a hit of protein when you're up, that helps sustain this early clock in a way. 
so you feel a bit fuller. And food can set the clock. Interesting. So a couple of eggs in the morning do this very delicious milkshake, whatever it is. A bit of protein is good early on. Definitely exposure to the daylight, if possible, the sun. Now again, not directly, if the sun is shining, get up and get out and get that sunlight in outdoors, if possible. Go for a walk, exercise can help set the clock early as well. Now here's a good one, take a distraction-free shower. And they think now, get, having a shower in the morning can possibly reset the brain waves a bit. And don't have music on and don't be distracted, just get in the shower and it's a bit like, you know, meditating in a way. And often people report getting ideas in the shower, something happens to our brain waves in the shower, and that may help reinforce this getting up early in the morning. And the last one is the one that I really like, and it's one I'm doing, because I may have done a podcast on this before, box breathing. So if you do, what, what box breathing is a way of controlling your breathing. So when you wake up, do a bit of box breathing, think of the three things you want to do that day, count down three, three, two, one, hop in the shower, have a protein, some kind of protein in, in your diet, outdoors, the sunlight, a bit of exercise, all that will help sustain this setting of the clock to a lower time. Now, what is box breathing? Just to explain it. It's you breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, and breathe out for four seconds. It's called a box, because it's four, 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 I guess, repeatedly. Uh, another thing you do, which is maybe evidence, and I, I did a podcast on this thing. If you breathe in for three seconds, hold for seven, and breathe out for seven, that's even longer hold and exhale, that is beneficial. And that seems to decrease risk of anxiety. You do it for about five minutes, and it seems to be beneficial in terms of anxiety. It seems unlikely, I know, but sure won't harm you to do a bit of box breathing when you wake up. And all of those things might help you reset the clock to being more of a morning lark, which as I say, will benefit your health. So there you have it, the science of becoming a morning lark. We need more evidence to support all this, by the way, as ever with these things. But I think the evidence is there that it will benefit your cardiovascular health for definite, it looks like, and may have a good effect on anxiety, depression. Now, whether these methods work is the next question, but do your best. Follow my lead. I'm going to try and do these things from now on and wake up a little bit earlier uh, to see if I can become more and more of a morning lark. So there you have it, the science of becoming a morning lark. And as ever, thank you very much for listening. And again, thanks to people emailing me. I do get regular emails from you, so they're always very welcome. And again, with suggestions or comments or even criticisms, I don't mind if you see something that I've said that's maybe incorrect or whatever, happy to correct things. And as ever, the podcast is a News Talk production and it's available for download every Thursday.